Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. go. Wow, that sounds better. And uh, welcome on this Friday morning. We have a lot of things that we're going to talk about. And uh, of course, UH football uh, for tomorrow night. We'll get to that. But I do want to also talk about the game. Uh, in fairness to all my 49er friends, uh, that, was a, that was a dominating performance by the Niners over the Giants. You know, what's, I was thinking about this. The, the score was 30 to 12. But I think in the NFL that happens. But if you get dominated the way the Giants did in a college football game, you're more likely to looking at 62 to 7, it seems to me. I just think that's sort of – they just sort of get more points um, and because they're better athletes. I mean, it gets tougher in the red zone, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I think that the weapons for San Francisco are just terrific. And, I'm, and you know, I'm not even including the quarterback because I have no problem with – with uh, Purdy, but I don't think that Purdy is quite as good as some of the other quarterbacks around the league, but he gets tremendous protection. He's got great composure, and he's got weapons starting with like George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, come on. Is that a wealth of riches or what? And uh, he makes good use of it. So that was a that was a convincing game. And on a Thursday night when the whole league can watch, I think people are going to be saying, okay, we got to look out for San Francisco. They're, they're so good at pass rush. Bosa's terrific. I mean, you talk about a linebacker like Fred Warner. I mean, they're really, really excellent, I think. And it's going to take a bad game by Purdy for them to lose. That's what I sort of, I'm thinking. And, you know, he could, could he have one? Sure, he's a second-year player. But he doesn't look disposed towards panicking, which, which goes a long way. And with a team like that of veterans who sort of have expressed belief in him, I think they're going to do very well. Uh, we'll talk a little more NFL as we, as we move into the show. But I do think there's some interesting games this weekend. And I, what I'm enjoying, and I mentioned I started to get into this yesterday, but I want to get more complete on it because I just did not see um, much in the way of, uh, which, how shall I put it, much in the way of uh, change in how I'm viewing the NFL generally. I mean, in terms of who's good and who's not. And I, you know, we may get a surprise this weekend, but I think the teams that basically already have two losses, if you're 0-2, you're probably not top of the charts. I'm just saying. I, it's hard to put to one I could cross off as a fluke. But if you get whipped twice, uh, I think that's probably saying the playoffs are unlikely to be in your future this year. And the statistics back it up. I mean, it's not likely that you make the playoffs if you just thought of falling to it. happens, but it's far less likely to happen 
than if you say start off 2-0 or even 1-1. That's just the way it is. And uh, so you can't get to yourself too twisted about it. But if that's your team, you're not happy. And I saw Brian Dable. You know, Brian Dable's I, his body type. He's kind of a pudgy guy. You know, he's got a little. Uh, he's got some junk in the trunk. He's got the basketball in the front. I mean, and but he got so exercised by a call, he was almost levitating. I, I was saying, wow, that's, he's showing a little vertical there. And uh, but I would advise him he might want to cut down on the carbs a little bit because that body type is dangerous. And how many times have you read it recently? That if you're carrying a lot of extra pounds, especially if you get into your 40s, you're probably a high risk for stroke and heart attack and other unpleasant maladies. Just how, just again, just how it is. Not being judgmental, not being judgy. I'd like to see Brian Dayball around for a while. And when people say, well, Daniel Jones, did you see the numbers? They flashed on the screen. And I was just telling my a friend via text that my football friend, I was telling her that she wanted to know what I think of Daniel Jones. I said, when he gets time, he's, he's really good. But he's not getting much time last night. Did you see the difference? And then they, shortly thereafter, the, uh, they, passed, they put on the stats on the screen on that. And I think I want to say he was 5 for 14 under pressure. And he was like 10 of 12 with no pressure. I mean, I just think it's a huge difference in the league. And that's not just true for the Giants and Jones. It's true for everybody. That's just how it works. If you get surrender a lot of pressure in the NFL, it's going to cost you big time. And I also think the 49ers answer the bell on that, in that category. I mean, they get after quarterbacks. Just uh, you can count on it. We have it about uh, eight minutes past the hour. If you have something you'd like to talk about today, either regarding last night's game or something upcoming for the weekend, uh, go ahead and fire us up, 808-296-1420 is the number, and uh, you can call us or text us on that same one. I, I'd love to see. I mean, I'm a, as a big Giant fan, a couple of recent Super Bowls, remember when they beat the undefeated Patriots team? David Tyree pinning a ball against his helmet. I mean, there are people still in New England who say that was the flukiest, freakiest, unworthiest Super Bowl victory they've ever seen, and double all those adjectives on the catch. Well, you know, look, big plays are what makes championships. I mean, I just think that's true almost in any— I mean, that's true down to college, even in high school. And uh, the Kahuka running back— uh, that made a big run at the, towards the end of that game against St. John Bosco. I mean, he doesn't make that run, they don't win. I mean, as simple as that. And, and so, yes, big plays are a big part of what happens when you get to looking at football, especially at the It's even more true, I think, at the higher levels. Uh, we, we're going to have our first guest on fairly shortly. Uh, we're going to have Jack Nixon, the venerable play-by-play -play voice for the New Mexico State Aggies. He's, uh, he's, a good, he's one of the good ones and a good guy to boot. We'll have him on to talk about uh, the Aggies and you know a big win for them last weekend. Whenever New Mexico State gets to play the big brother, when that's the University of New Mexico, I mean, the Lobos have more resources, better facilities. You know, you can go on and on. They have the pit, and I can't even remember what... New Mexico State calls its field house, but it's an old-style 
field house. We got Mark on the line. What's up, Mark? Hi, Bobby. It's so good to talk to you. Yeah, nice to speak to you as well. What's up? Yeah, and um, you know what? What I was listening to you about, you were talking about the coach. Isn't it funny when you, I, I, <clears throat> I survived leukemia, so I find myself doing what you do a lot. I keep it to myself, but you see people and you see that's where you were. I'm not saying you were where he was, but I was. I was big like that, and I lost all the weight. I'm out of diabetes. I look at you, how healthy you are, and it's just a great time in history, isn't it? Well, what they can do now in the medical world is unbelievable. I always tell people, if you have something and you've sort of given up, don't. you got to get checked out because there's amazing things they can do. And I feel really blessed about that. And I and you, you don't can make so any many people too, Bobby. You, with, with what happened to you, thank you for all the things that you've said, because it really helps. Well, that's terrific. How long since uh, you were diagnosed? Um, I I survived in 219, but it took me a while to lose the weight. I, I had gotten down to 260. I was up to 330. Wow. I got down to 260. It took me a while. Uh, my family helped me, and I'm at right now. I'm going to stay around 200. Well, that's ter- I should be down to 185, but I'm going to stay at 200. That's terrific. I, I applaud that. That's anybody who's been through that knows how tough that is to do. That is it's really, hard. really tough. But I'm so glad, glad to be able to talk to you because you're one of my heroes. Well, thank you so much. I, you know, it's an ongoing thing, and people said, "Are you gonna, are you gonna go public with this?" And I said, "Yeah, I think I have to. I think, I think there's a lot of people that might be giving up because they can't breathe well, and they're they're just saying, oh, you know, that's just how it goes." Well, not necessarily. You got to go find out first. You know, go see your your uh, CP. What do they call them? I got that PCP, primary care provider. And they'll recommend a specialist. And then you can find out if there's something they can do. I went into him and said, what about this? Um, I went and saw a sign when I was at a wedding last uh, last April in in Philadelphia. And it was a double lung transplant, most successful double lung transplant surgeries in the country. Well, it turns out um, actually not quite true. It's close. But the one I went to is actually the most successful one. And I went to him and, and asked, is there any chance he goes, he looked at me and he goes, it's probably your last best hope. And I thought, why? I just wondered why he hadn't brought it up sooner. But anyway, that was a process then of getting you know, a hold of them and getting scheduled flights, et cetera, and hotels and a trip down there. You have to be there for a week. So I think a lot of people would face something like that. But it's, you know, if you enjoy living, that you got to check it out. Don't take the first, and don't even listen to the first person who tells you, oh, that's it for you. You know, it, it, it might be, but it might not be. Anyway, I don't want to get well, into this. You're going to help. You're, you're going to help so many people with this message, and I'm so grateful that I got to hear it, and thank you so much. Thank you, and, uh, and continued good luck in your recovery, because as we, you and I know, it goes on pretty much forever. Okay, I'm going to have... Uh, very shortly, I think, a, a message for you. And uh, did you forget me on that, Tanner? Do I have to do that now? 
Okay, here we go. Watch Cole Massoff as he sits down with his Punahou pals, Georgetown linebacker uh, Giancarlo Rufo, and UH quarterback John Chiave Sangapolutele with grinds from Yama's Fish Market. It's the latest episode of Athletes on your YouTube channel or ESPN Honolulu.com. Brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Welcome back on this Aloha Friday edition of the program. I want to welcome venerable play-by-play voice for the New Mexico State Aggies, Jack Nixon, in Honolulu with the team to call the game tomorrow, and we welcome him now. Jack, how goes it? I'm doing great, Bobby. So great to talk to you. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, I think it's terrific to touch base with you once again. And there was a time when I wasn't sure it was going to happen, but um, it has. And I am I'm very blessed myself with everything that's happened in uh, in my experience. Tell me a little bit about this Aggie football team. They, it sounds like they're a little better than they've been recent years. Yeah, that's that's a safe statement. I think that uh, a parallel I could draw. Uh, would be when uh, Dick Tobey came over here to the University of Hawaii. Now, I'm not completely familiar with the UH uh, history, I'll be honest, but I believe, in my mind, that was sort of when a, a sort of a, a coach from the mainland came who had, who had really had a, who had done it right on the mainland and came over and probably brought the wherewithal and, and gave the university some ideas on what sort of, you know, how they'd have to fund the program and how many assistants you'd need and things like that. And that's what Jerry, anyway, whether that was true or not with, with Dick Tobey, but that was true with Jerry Kill. Uh, he came, he was hired, he was a, an assistant uh, at the TCU at the time we hired him. And he came in and the, the school had a, there was a, the fans had a, uh, contributed $250,000 to the program, which was frankly unprecedented uh, in the past for football, just out of the blue. Uh, that was that was money in, in addition to the budget. He was able to, uh, a year ago, flipped the uh, uh, the roster. The rules were such that you could bring in uh, uh, as many players as you wanted. We brought in like 42 players, and so and, and that helped because you could sort of weed out. Uh, a lot of times, you know, but you could only bring in so many scholarship players. You had to keep guys who maybe uh, could play, but were not. You know, they they were couldn't they were, help you, you win. If you, yeah, yeah. If, if you didn't have to keep them, you wouldn't. Let's see. And well, anyway, so they didn't have to deal with that. And so then they, the, the guys just bought in last year. Uh, the turn really sort of, uh, the team had gotten a little momentum uh, they, uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, had a game canceled because San Jose State had a player uh, die right before uh, the day before the game. So we were out of game. Go to Liberty, blow them out. And then we're at that point, just to get to the bottom line, we're five and six. And uh, the school goes to the bowl committee and said, hey, look, if you're going to look at five and seven teams, we got a better percentage record. We're five and six. They said, yeah, that sounds right. 
Uh, and so, believe it or not, the NCAA gave the Aggies a break. We, we picked up another game with uh, uh, Valparaiso, a small school in uh, Indiana. And by this point, people just were amazed that uh, by the end of the season that a guy had come in in the first year and taken a program that wasn't, you know, wasn't particularly strong. And uh, now the players bought in. They go to Detroit to win the, the bowl game at Bowling Green State. And Jerry Kill uh, looks like a genius. He, in some ways, he is. Uh, I'll, I'll just say one other thing about him. He's a perfect fit for Las Cruces. He's a down-to-earth guy who likes to wear boots and jeans and maybe have a beer on the weekend when he's not working. And So he's a perfect guy for that. And the Aggies are playing better. Uh, they beat UNM last week by 10 on the road. And there's just a different attitude, a different uh, level of talent on the team. And uh, they're just they're just playing better than the, probably they have been uh, consistently in a long time, to give you a long answer to your question. Well, we're talking to Jack Nixon, the longtime play-by-play voice for both football and basketball uh, for the New Mexico State Aggies here with the team to call the game tomorrow, 6 p.m. Uh, kickoff. Let's get to a couple of things. Tell me who yeah, most teams have somebody that you could sort of pick out after a few weeks who's sort of the soul of, say, the offense. I mean, who is the guy who sort of is that, that guy for New Mexico State? Well, it's become uh, the quarterback, Diego Pavia. Uh, last year, uh, the quarterback job was kind of, uh, well, they were trying to figure out who, who the best one was, and it wasn't really obvious until the end of the season when Diego stepped up at UMass. He probably is. He, he's, uh, and not just because he's the quarterback, uh, another guy who's really kind of emerged as sort of a, I'd say kind of a, in that role, is a big offensive tackle named Shiaz Pete. He's a Navajo uh, who came down from Montana, went to school in the, uh, up in the, the uh, Four Corners area, which is the north, uh, northwest part of, of New Mexico. Uh, and uh, he, he's a big offensive tackle. So maybe internally Shiaz, but then Diego has been the guy that that has has, has you know he's taken the job and made it his own now over the last end of the season and starting this year. It sounds like you got a pretty decent receiving core with Bellamy, Brady, and Davis. Yeah, they do. We, they have uh, really seven or eight guys who have, who have done a good job. Uh, Chris Bellamy's been really consistent. Uh, the Aggies, uh, Jonathan Brady, uh, who's a sophomore, he came from Las Vegas last year, had scored uh, two touchdowns. He, he didn't play for. He didn't have a very good game at Liberty. They they defended him very well. Liberty. Is a, is a pretty good team. The Aggies lost to them, but they're a pretty good team. They're back in Lynchburg, Virginia, back on the East Coast. Uh, but uh, uh, they, uh, Jonathan Brady, uh, they, they, uh, he, he had a good game last last year, but last week rather. But they've got uh, five or six guys who who Diego can go to, and Diego's a very, a quarter, the quarterback is a very good scrambler. So a deep receiver core, uh, a pretty solid couple of running backs, and this for the first time on offense, the Aggies have had. A lot more weapons than they've had uh, previously. Well, I think that's part of the key. Get a quarterback uh, who they can believe in. And I remember the one time recently we were down there, and I didn't think the offensive line was very good. Obviously, they have picked up and are better now than they were. Yeah, and believe it or not, they're deep. Uh, in the past, New Mexico State, uh, not unlike a lot of uh, uh, you know, mid-major teams in football, had a, had a hard time getting depth. Aggies have good depth this year on the offensive line. That's where uh, uh, I mentioned Pete, the, the Navajo young man. He's one of the starting tacklers, but tackles. But they, they've got they've got some subs, and, and they really got off the ball well last week against UNM. They they really performed like like the coaches wanted them to. See, so they've been able to. Uh, well, they've got a real good line coach, Andrew Mitchell, uh, who went to Oklahoma State, played a little bit in the NFL. He's 
uh, one other thing, Bobby, about how the teams were able to stay together, if I can kind of veer into that. Uh, after last year, none of the coaches, assistant coaches left. Uh, they were able to retain them, which usually is, frankly, coaches had been poached uh, in the past uh, when the Aggies have gotten a good one. They stayed together. Aggies only lost a couple guys to the transfer portal, uh, and they were and they replaced them with guys who were comparable or better. But, yeah, the O-line is doing a much better job. Uh, everything's just working together very well on offense. And uh, so NMSU, uh, there's reason for, for uh, uh, realistic optimism uh, for Aggie football fans. Well, I think that's been a long time coming. And now that you start to have it rolling, you wonder, will it be – you know, will it be reflected in bigger crowds, more donations, all of the things that sort of happen to football programs when they get it rolling? Well, uh, like I said, the thing before Kill came, brought in that money, the, they started the Goal Line Club, which has, I think, raised $200,000 for the program this year. Uh, there's also a thing called the Sack Club. I don't know what the numbers are on that. Every time makes some, a sack is made, you know, someone makes a donation like that. Uh, but it has, uh, there's, there's been an increase in season tickets, which, I'm not going to give you the number because it's not going to blow anyone away, but it was an increase of about 30%, which is still, uh, percentage-wise, a big increase, and more money is more money. Uh, but, no, there has been an increase in that, and for the first time, they moved. my first year out there was uh, doing games was 1976, uh, and probably about the time a lot of your your, uh, your listeners were, were born, getting being born. But, anyway, uh, this for the first time since that time, Bobby, People were looking forward to both football and basketball seasons. Normally it's a basketball town, but both sports people were really genuinely excited to, to see it get started again. I've always enjoyed the, the game, times I've had a chance to call basketball games down there because it's the old field house style. And, boy, is it roomy. I mean, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big facility. Pan American Center was built in 1968. At the time it was, you know, kind of a – well, down there it was kind of a marvel. Of course, it – Time has passed it by in terms of amenities. They've upgraded it with a nicer scoreboard. But you've got a lot of room to work in. There's not a bad seat for the fans to come in. It's in, at max, you can seat maybe 13,000 plus if, if we fill it up. But uh, it is. It's a nice place. And, and the people, there's a lot of tradition there. And people are, they love basketball and they're, they're fairly smart fans. And so that's a lot of fun to, to do that too. And, and now both sports are very enjoyable. Well, one of the things about, I mean, you mentioned beating the Lobos by 10. It's a rival. It's a big achievement. But what would be bigger for most Aggie fans, a win uh, over New Mexico at their, at their field or maybe a win at the Pitt in basketball? Well, that's an interesting question based on what happened uh, with, with the basketball program last year. Uh, I don't, we don't have to – we can get into that if you want. It was basically, the teams didn't play each other. There was a uh, – well, there was a, an incident in the football game. There's a fight between students, and then some UNM students tried to ambush an Aggie basketball player. He, he wound up getting – he lived. He got shot. Uh, he had a gun with him, and he responded in, in, you know, he's in self-defense, and a, a UNM student was killed. Anyway, uh, the, the, the teams didn't play each other. So, well, that's so – to get back to your question, that would be a, a, a tough one. I think they're, they're satisfied with this. Basketball, we'll, we'll, that'll be nice if it comes up. But for now, football's good enough for now. Well, I think it's fabulous. I think it's it's really good for the fan base there. And I think that Jerry Kill has got to be, you know, you got to take your hat off. He's really come in and taken the bull by both horns. Yeah, he has. And he he's, he's well, no one expected a bull game in the first year. And, and I don't, I'm not sure he did or not, but the players really bought into it. Uh, but, uh, and it's like, oh, maybe you were too good too soon. I don't know if he's, he thinks that way, but 
he has, he's got it organized, he, and just, just the organization level and having enough enough people to do the, the, the job, enough people to coach, enough people to kind of do the auxiliary jobs that coaches might have had to do in the past, uh, things like that, it, it's, it's kind of set up so it can, can go forward. And so for that reason, it's kind of like, I don't want to say like a, a machine is too strong a word, but at least the organizational machine is there to, to, to uh, if you can keep the talent coming in and, and keep that on an even keel, I think there's reason to believe that, that Coach Kill can succeed over more than just a couple of years. Well, schools are at the, that are at the level of New Mexico State or Hawaii, what I worry more about is when they do get a really good one, can they keep him? Because I think the temptations, uh, you look around to go to a higher level where there's NIL considerations, et cetera. I mean, we're looking at a brave new world in football. Yeah, there we are. Um, it probably, I think there's, it's more, if, if it's going to happen, more likely the assistants. Coach Kill is 66, which is not the end of the line. Uh, Bobby and I will tell you for sure, 66 yeah. is not the end of the line. But uh, I think uh, he, he's overcome cancer. He's overcome, he, he's, he's overcome epilepsy. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that someone wouldn't hire him away, but I think he's really, I think he really likes Las Cruces and, uh, I think that it's the kind of place where he can maybe, I don't know if it's just going to be his last stand, but certainly a glorious stand. And then uh, he doesn't have to prove anyone to anyone, uh, He's uh, and which is another reason why I think he's been such a good fit down there. He just tells it like it is, and if if you don't like what you hear, he's not going to change his opinion because he understands what's going on. All right, and, and he sort of even has the look. He, he sort of he fits in in every way possible. He does, he does. He's got a young girlfriend, so jealous of him, Bobby. He's got a young girlfriend, and he, uh, like I said, he, he's 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 from Kansas, but he really is a southwestern kind of guy, and, and he really he he rebuilt Southern Illinois into a strong program. He rebuilt Northern Illinois into a strong program. Uh, he worked with our athletic director Mario at Southern Illinois, and so he's someone who's done it. This, this is not this was not a flash in the pan uh, last year when the Aggies went to that bowl game. He's done it other places, and that that's the other reason why I think people are, are really encouraged because. He's someone who's probably he's he's uh, maybe more stable. Uh, he he doesn't have to have uh, the bright lights. He's seen the bright lights. He's been at a Big Ten school. He was at Minnesota. Anyone uh, there? That's what his illness kind of kept him had had him retire. But you know, maybe some assistants might get. Well, I'm sure they get better offers. But they're very loyal to him. And I guess I guess our attitude is we'll worry about that when we have to. Jack, so good to talk with you. I wish you best of luck with the season. Bobby, thanks very much. Uh, always uh, enjoy talking to you. Glad to hear that you're on the mend, and to look forward to uh, can I Can I give you a bucket list thing before I go? Sure. Please. I, before, my one bucket list thing for me, and this is the serious truth, would be to perform with the Hawaii cheerleaders when, they, when the, the, the fight song is played. That is the greatest fight song of a college football team, and the routine they do is so great. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's perfect. It's about Hawaii, the movements and all like that. So. Well, we maybe have to make, make a phone call and see if you can uh, they can fit you up in an uh, in an outfit. Yeah, maybe if we come back for basketball, I could come out and do that. I'm not sure doing a football game would be good. The ser- I'm serious. That would be uh, that would be a th- thrill to learn those routines and do that to do that with those those young people. That would be a bucket list thing for me, Bobby. Maybe you and I'll do it when when we hit 85. How's there that? There you go, Jack. Be well. You too, Bobby. Thank you. We got to take a quick time out, but first a reminder, there's a new place to catch your favorite NFL games. The Lookout Food and Drink at Waikai in Eva Beach. Doors open early on Sundays at 6.30 a.m. Enjoy happy hour prices on poo-poo and drinks from 4 to 6 during Monday and Thursday night football. If your team is losing, at least you can enjoy the breeze, the ocean view beach setting. 
Welcome back on this Aloha Friday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran along with Tanner Hayworth, and we're trying to bring you the complete world of sports. And uh, concentrating, of course, this Friday on the upcoming uh, football weekend, uh, starting with UH uh, tomorrow, the 6 p.m. kickoff. I, I think it's a little surprising to me that Hawaii's a favorite in that game. Hawaii's a three-point favorite. New Mexico State is 2-2. Two and two. But I would say that it looks to me from what I, I'm researching that they have been a little bit less error-prone than Hawaii has. I think Hawaii would have to take a step forward to do well in this game. I mean, they, I actually think if they were at the top of their game, they could dominate it. But I think we've seen a team that tends to slip into some mistake mode, and that's not going to be good against these Aggies because they're talented. And they have an active quarterback who can run and throw. And, and um, Pavia, I just think you got to be really on your toes, very careful when you have a game like this. But if Hawaii can win, they'll be 2-2. Two and two. And if they, if they are 2-2, two and two, I think some of the things we'd hoped at the beginning of the season are now at least, well, let's put it this way, at least possible. And is that going to happen? I don't know. I've got air conditioning blowing on me, so I am completely out of control. I had all of my things laid out so that I could grab them at a moment's notice. And that has not helped me much, uh, having laid it out. Anyway, we've got a couple of things. And for Hawaii, I think a lot of hinges on giving Braden Shager time to throw. He's been under pressure in some of the games against the better teams, giving up the offensive line has given up a lot of sacks. I, I just think, you know, it's only fair to give this guy, you've got to get this guy 2.7 or 2.8 seconds. By the way, Tua Tango-Vailoa is the guy, 2.35 seconds, he gets rid of the ball quicker than anyone else in the league. I, I don't know if, I think it's starting to get through and people in Hawaii are not as surprised how good a player he's become. But it's been the media that's been a little slow to cotton on to the fact that when healthy, Tuatango Vailoa is terrific. Now, a lot of them, when they come start to come around, they stress that healthy thing. Oh, you, you really, really couldn't have judged him because he was always hurt, and, and we didn't know if he'd even be healthy enough to survive an NFL season. How do you feel now? I don't think we have, you know, the proof of a full season yet, but certainly the, the optics are good, at least for now. And I'm hoping... I hope he has a fabulous season, and I think he possibly will. And, uh, but getting back, you can see when a guy doesn't have time, like, oh, Dan, Danny, uh, Danny Dimes last night, Daniel Jones for the New York Giants, was under fierce pressure. Was he as good as he sometimes is? No. What quarterback is when he's under that kind of uh, pressure? I just think, when I, one time I saw Joey Bosa. He got in there so quick, I'm like, that guy doesn't look like he's a defensive lineman. I mean, that was like a linebacker type thing, maybe even a safety in terms of quickness. That's, I think, what his, the, I think his great virtue is. He's not only uh, is he big, but he's very quick, and that is a difference maker. So I, I kind of, you know, I'm thinking this is an important game because Hawaii will have San Jose State next week. I think that's winnable. Now, other people may disagree with me, but I, I really think that game is winnable. And then they'll play again home. Oh, no, they're going on the road, I should say, to Nevada. So that's, uh, that's interesting. So, I mean, we've got a lot of games coming up. Now, of course, 
most people are interested in the UNLV game, and that's the away game that draws a ton of Hawaii fans. And they're not only from Hawaii. A lot of them are transplants that have gone to California and make the trip, or to Vegas itself, and they show up for those, those UNLV games. So that should be good. So before Hawaii gets around to the San Jose State and Nevada, they're going to be hosting uh, San Diego State, which is interesting. They'll be on the road at New Mexico. So we'll be looking. You know, you can't always go by. In fact, you can never go by co comparative scores. But we all do it anyway. And we know now that the, the Aggies beat the Lobos by 10. So that's going to give everybody, I think, depending on how this game goes, uh, should give them more confidence against uh, the Lobos at New Mexico. That's, a, that's an interesting trip, by the way, and we've been on it many times. So it'll be after New Mexico, then it's San Jose State. Where then they're not, they've not been quite as good as I thought they'd be. Um, I think they're struggling. they've struggled a little bit. Nevada is down some. I think that's only fair to say. Uh, that game will be in Reno, and it's a day game. So, you know, you get your have breakfast with the Bows on uh, that Nevada November 4th date because kickoff will be 10 a.m. Hawaii time. And I'm telling you, I'm happy for the players because by the time you get to November up there, it can be unbelievable. It can just, temperature can fall and make you freeze your Macaulay off. That was, uh, we've had some interesting experiences uh, at, at Nevada. Uh, now, and then up next is going to be Air Force. But fortunately for Hawaii, that game is home. But they do have to go. I don't know why this is, but why does Hawaii constantly get sent to Laramie? It seems, when's the last time Wyoming's been here? Were they here last year? I don't think Hawaii played no, Wyoming last year. I was in the hospital, so I'm not as up on it. But maybe, was it here? And how how'd that go? Do you remember? Hawaii won. Is that what you're saying? Wyoming, Wyoming won. Okay. And because uh, that one, by that time, all hope was extinguished about bowl games, et cetera. And so I can't say that I was really up on that, as you can tell. And, uh, and then Hawaii was going to close with Colorado State at home. So I think interesting games. But I'm looking across. I'm thinking, how many of these games will Hawaii be favored in? Depending on the result against New Mexico State tomorrow, I think Hawaii could be favored at New Mexico when it comes time uh, to go visit them. That's uh, October 21st. But in most of these games, I think Hawaii will be an underdog, even though small. But I think they'll be an underdog in all the road games. So at Laramie, at Reno, um, and at maybe at Albuquerque, maybe not, depending on uh, how this game plays out tomorrow. But it's not going to be easy. And if Hawaii wins tomorrow, some things are possible. It's not impossible. You know, they beat somebody, they steal one, beat the others you're supposed to, and, and I think probably could, you know, well, at least conceivably could get to a bowl game, uh, which is always a goal. Go ahead, 296-1420. Let's do this, 808-296, of course, 1420. But let's give away a pair of tickets to the volleyball game. That is, a, is that for Sunday? It is. It's for Sunday. So if you'd like to have a, a chance, and that's the game that's against CSUN. So let's, let's, I, have, I, I have a question provided by Tanner, and we're going to give somebody a chance to win uh, two tickets. If you'd like to go watch this volleyball team, 
who, you know, everybody said, well, I thought they'd be, I've, I've heard this on the street. I thought they'd be better. Hey, they're seven and four. They just swept Florida State. I think they're getting better, which is reason for optimism. So go ahead and call us, 808-296-1420. A very, I think, a very easy try. It's almost so easy that I feel not, I don't, I'm not great about asking it. I think it's too easy. But we'll see. I mean, listen, when you know the answer, they're always easy. And if you don't, it's just the hardest question on earth. You wouldn't want it on uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Look, we got Analu. Analu is on the phone. Hi, Analu. How are you? I'm fine, and you are? I am Bobby Curran, and I'm well, thanks. Thank you, sir. All right, let's do this. Uh, it's a volleyball question. Hawaii's got... Oh, my gosh. Okay, go ahead. Hawaii's got CSUN on Friday night in a conference matchup in oh the Big West. Goodness. What does the N in CSUN stand for? Northridge. Yeah, you go. I told what? Tanner, I said, this is crazy easy. and I, But, of course, only if you know the answer. And you did. Well, I'll tell you how I know the answer. I was in the Northridge earthquake. That's how I, I it stuck with me ever since. Oh, wow. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, a, long, that was a while ago now. But good, 94. Good job. 94. Good job. That's 27, 20, what, 29 years ago? Anyway, it would be terrific yeah, uh, anyway. when you see the volleyball team up close and personal on Sunday. Stay on the line, and Tanner will tell you how I to get it. those tickets. Have a great uh, Aloha Friday, everyone. Thank you. And let's do this. Let's, uh, Tanner, while you take that, why don't we take a quick time out and be right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to this Aloha Friday edition of the program. Uh, Bobby Curran, Tanner Hayworth with you. We, uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the University of Hawaii will kind of rally, clean up some of the mistakes. I, dead ball penalties, you know, stuff with the offensive line. Uh, you know, when a, when a receiver you know, commits that offsides and he's looking right at the football, you just got You can't do some of these things. I'm sure they're going to give Timmy Chang gray hair. And uh, he's got some already. I think the rest is going to turn pretty quick if they don't clean that up. Uh, but I think that with all college football teams, I heard Timmy say, we're young, and so I know that's a cliche, but they do have a lot of guys that haven't played much. And I think it takes time. But here's the deal. The difference between some teams that really get better in the course of the year, if they avoid finger-pointing, they stay together, they keep showing up every day to work their tails off, Sooner or later, you do get better. And if they can do that, I think that's going to be helpful. We got, is it Don on the line? Hi, Don. Hey, good morning, Bobby. Uh, always nice to hear your voice. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, concerning uh, the uh, conference games today for Big Mountain West, you got uh, Boise versus uh, San Diego State and Air Force and uh, San Jose State. So what, what is your predictions of those games for the winners? Well, the way things have been going, I would take Boise State – over San Diego State, and uh, I hate this. People, some people will be surprised by this, but I, I also think Air Force will steamroll San Jose State. I don't know if they're good enough defensively to slow the Falcons down. The Falcons are pretty good on D, and you know, and and then the running game 
so, is, is so powerful for them. So I, I kind of think that that's going to be a tough one for the Spartans. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah thank you for calling. If you have, if you have something, we got Sam on the line. What's up, Sam? Hey, hello, Friday, Bobby. I had to give my little two cents. How you doing? Good. I know what this is going to be about. Let me guess. Ah, Let me guess. The Colts. <laughs> of course, of course. A couple of things. Um, so first off, I, uh, I really hope Timmy and the boys can can rally and get this one tomorrow. Um, huge for the rest of the season, of course. Um, I got uh, I got us to say let's say twenty four seventeen, Bobby. Let's get it. All right. I love that. I'll take um, I'll take twenty four seventeen right now. Actually. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, and then Maniac, of course, Bobby. So, um, unfortunately, um, you know, AR, he self-reported the concussion. He's going to sit. I don't mind it. he got a long career ahead of him. Um, but I, honestly, man, our defense is playing well. And the Ravens are obviously a tough team. Um, but they got a lot of people sit in this game. And I think if our, if our team can get defense on a roll, and Gardner Minshew, man, he'll hold it down. You know, he's probably one of the best bets in the league, in my opinion. Um, I like it, Bobby. And, I, and I hopefully, it looks like Taylor may stay. Taylor may stay with us after after the fifth week. So, what do you think, baby? Wow, I mean, that'd be interesting. What is um, well, what's your sense on the who's your third quarterback right now? Uh, Sam Ellinger. You know, I've seen him a few times. The guy that played at Texas, I I actually think he's pretty capable for a third quarterback. I'm trying to think if I can think of a third quarterback around the league that I like better, and I don't know You're if right, I do. Buddy. You're right. Yeah. I mean, he he looked really good preseason last year and. He hasn't really put it on in the, in the regular season yet, but no, to have him third string, it's it's not a bad problem, you know. Yeah, he and he makes plays. That guy. I mean, I, to me, he could be in contention for the, the main backup job. Although yeah, I like, he's kind of like a. I like Minshew ahead, too. I, like, I was going to say I like Minshew also. I think um, I think I think Taysom Hill is a, is a kind of good comparison to Sam Ellinger. They're kind of similar players. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, I do think Taysom Hill is a bit more run-oriented than Ellinger, but he, no question, Ellinger can move his feet. I do. But I'm excited, Bobby. Anthony Richardson looks good. I mean, for him to be 21 and to self-report a concussion and to take himself out of the game, that's maturity in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, because guys can take a lick in that, in that spot, and it can be serious and for a long time. So I'm glad he did that too. I agree, Bobby. I appreciate you, man. Enjoy your weekend. All right, all right. But thank you, and good luck to the Colts this weekend. And, you know, I'm not a Colt fan, but I, I when we have a guy that's dedicated as he is, I, you know, I got to, uh, if I don't have something going with the other team, they're playing the Giants, he's, he's out of luck. But if, um, but most other teams, yeah, I'll root for the Colts just because of uh, his passion for them. We don't have a lot of time left. These sports animals are coming up next. Uh, Gary Dickman just uh, showed up in the studio. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm already starting to look towards packing up because I got in trouble for overstaying my welcome yesterday. Haven't had to worry about that for a long time. But it's great being back in here. I'm looking at a screen. I can see Tanner in the other room. We've got all kinds of stuff going on in here that you don't have sitting in your uh, in your den or your man cave, as it were. That's about going to wrap us up. Good luck to the Rainbow Warriors tomorrow. For Tanner Hayworth, from all of us here at ESPN Honolulu, I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.